And good evening, everybody. It is another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Monday, a Football Monday show here on uh, September 25th, I believe, 2017. Uh, yes, indeed, it is September 25th. Nice of me to know the date. Uh, big show to get to, lots of football, both pro and college, a little bit of baseball as well. But we begin with the goings-on over the weekend. You know, this show obviously is called Jamal About Sports. We try to keep politics out of the mix. Uh, But for better or for worse, politics and sports have collided thanks to our uh, president who um, apparently has to say every thought that comes into his mind, has to tweet every thought that comes into his mind, has to provide his mouth-breathing base at an Alabama rally with red meat and chum by attacking and taking on the players in the NFL that dare, in his mind, to uh, kneel peacefully and quietly during the playing of the National Anthem. Obviously created quite the firestorm over the weekend. It's still ongoing. Of course, he's now not even doubled or tripled, but he's quadrupled down on this stance. Of course, his lackeys and minions like Steve Mnuchin and Sarah Huckabee Sanders have, of course, come to his defense. And let's just get a couple of things straight here from the get-go. Let's level set this first. So, first of all, Colin Kaepernick started this uh, during while Obama was in office, not Trump. That's number one. So this is not about Trump. He's made it about himself, of course, because everything in his mind is about him. Number two, in no way, shape, or form was Colin Kaepernick's protest anti-American, anti-flag. It was, his stance was and is in response to police brutality in the African-American community. If you don't think that that's real, then I have, there's nothing I can do for you. Now, is every cop a rogue cop and racist? Of course not. Is every cop the perfect citizen and an angel? Of course not. Much like the rest of the world, there's good and there's bad. There's probably some outstanding and there's probably some really bad as well. Not probably, there is. Now, Trump and his ilk have turned this into an anti-American, anti-veteran, which has nothing to do with veterans, by the way. Anti-troops has nothing to do with that at all. And that's what they've tried to frame this as. Okay, so that's mistake number one and falsehood number one from a man whose entire life is filled with falsehoods. And why... He would feel the need, well, not why, but the fact that he does this, of course, is surprising to nobody. Now, of course, this kind of behavior should be beneath the president, but nothing is beneath this man. Nothing. His lovely little comment to Billy Bush about grabbing women by the you-know-where, his bragging about the size of his manhood and during a national debate, which I'm sure, by the way, those on the right, my friends on the right, I'm sure you would have been fine with Obama behaving that way, right? You would have been perfectly fine with that. If Obama was caught on tape, 
saying what Trump said to Billy Bush, he'd be fine with that. And he'd be fine with him bragging about his manhood and a national debate. That's, that's very fitting behavior for a president, isn't it? He also, by the way, so of course called them sons of bitches. I'd love to see the owners fire them, blah, blah, blah. So by the way, also nice that a president is advocating for Americans to be fired from their jobs for freedom of speech, essentially. Because that's all this comes down to, is freedom of speech. You may not like the message. That's fine. That's what this country was built on. That's why we fought wars, ostensibly, not really, but in theory. And then, by the way, the very un- a very underreported, ridiculous, sickening comment he made on Saturday night was that the game essentially, for his taste, is not violent enough. This, of course, on the heels of Aaron Hernandez being discovered to have CTE at age 27. When we know CTE is a major issue with guys like Dave Duerson and Junior Seau and Justin Strilzik and Terry Long. All guys that killed themselves. Guys that I grew up watching. But no, there he is. Oh, it's not it's too rough now, huh? Oh yeah, tackle him, throw him out of the game. 50 I mean, his, the tone deaf doesn't even begin to describe this ignoramus. This know nothing. And yet there are still people that will defend him and still somehow manage to get so offended over this. Well, guess what? If you're such a lover of the national anthem, which, by the way, you can debate why it's even played to begin any sporting event and its significance there. If you're such a lover of it, here's an idea. Every day before you go to work, sing the national anthem in your house or your apartment or wherever it is that one lives. How about that? If you're such a patriot and you love it so much, sing it in your house. And then, of course, he tries to claim that this is not racist, but then, of course, he holds up as the shining example of a professional sports association that does it the right way, NASCAR. Yeah, because, you know, there's so many African-American drivers in NASCAR and so many fans that are African-American of NASCAR. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not code much. I mean, even Rex Ryan, who very publicly supported Trump, went on ESPN yesterday, which he's now a member of the pregame show, and said, look, I voted for this guy, but this is ridiculous. I mean, the Lions owner, Martha Ford, issued a statement. Even even his big-time buddy, Rob Kraft, issued a statement denouncing his idiotic comments. Goodell, the most conservative commissioner probably of any sport ever, was the first to issue a statement denouncing Trump's moronic comments. Roger Goodell isn't exactly some left-wing liberal, folks. So thank you very much, Orange Foolius, for now ruining our last refuge. As you 
probably try your best to destroy this country. Thank you very much. The last bastion we had was sports, probably. There are a few shows that have stayed away that focus on just their stuff, and I'll get to that later in the show. If you want a break from sports and or politics, one in particular. So this is what it's become now. And again, I, ho- I thought maybe the silver lining to all this, listen, I mentioned all, I mean, and there's myriad other reasons to be disgusted by this human being. I mean, he's just, he's just a horrible person. I mean, there's just, look, I've grown up in New York. I've been here my whole life, right? It was fine when he was just some tabloid fodder, always a bad guy, but you know, he was just, again, tabloid fodder for page six of the post. But now, unfortunately, he holds the highest office in the land, incredibly. So now it's not okay. As he disregards every single word of advice from his chief of staff and the generals prior to the UN speech to say, don't call Kim out by name. Don't antagonize him. And of course, what does he do? The exact opposite of their advice. Because he knows better, even though he knows nothing. So this is where we're at. So I thought maybe him taking on what essentially has become the national pastime. Football is surpassed, baseball is the national pastime. I thought maybe that would finally be the bar. That would be the line that was crossed. Probably not, because there's plenty of people still defending him to their death. It's unbelievable, or to the death, I should say. Again, understand what the protests are about. And again, what's acceptable form of protest? Because when people take to the streets, that's not acceptable. But quietly kneeling for 90 seconds, that's, that's a big problem, right? It's absurd. I also read today, and I don't know that this is true, so I need to fact check this, that NFL players didn't start coming onto the field and with the flag and everything for the National Anthem until 2009 when the NFL did a joint venture with the Department of Defense for money, of course, and started doing that to, to increase military uh, recruiting in the military. Now, I remember it actually post-9-11, of course, is when it really started to come to the fore. So I think it maybe goes back to that. But either way, again, they're not saying... Whatever. I, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. I just had to get my two cents in. Let's move on to the actual games. And another week. And the NFL invents new and exciting ways to screw the lines. I mean, listen... We'll go back to 2010, the Calvin Johnson play. The pass interference flag that was picked up in the Cowboys playoff game 2014. The NFL missing the fact that Seattle batted the ball out of the, out of the back of the end zone illegally when Calvin Johnson was going in for the game-winning score. And the Lions should have the ball at the goal line. They didn't. Game was deemed to be over because it was incorrectly ruled a touchback. And then they realized they blew the call. 
the phantom face mask on Aaron Rodgers that same year when uh, he was grazed by somebody's pinky when he was running around after the ball had been lateral to him. He wasn't even in the pocket as a quarterback. He was a runner, which gave him the untimed down, which then, of course, they scored on the Hail Mary to win the game. And now this. Golden Tate, touchdown ruled on the field. Everything for the last three years, the, the, the rule of thumb essentially has been, unless it's egregious, the call on the field has stood. And yet, in yesterday's game, they decided to overturn the call. And then, because of some idiotic, arcane, stupid, esoteric rule that nobody knows, just like the tuck rule, uh, there was a 10-second runoff, so the Lions didn't even get to run the last play. So, essentially, the Lions got penalized because the refs supposedly made the wrong call on the field. So they didn't even get to run a last play. Had the refs ruled Golden Tate down, the Lions would have had plenty of time to rush the line of scrimmage and run a play. Now listen, maybe they get it, maybe they don't. But I can live with losing if, let's say, Stafford tries to throw a fade and, the, and makes a bad throw. Or, you know, the DB, whomever's covering the guys, uh, the receiver for the Lions, backs the ball away. Or a guy makes a great interception. Okay, you tip your cap to the Falcons, that's fine. I can live with that. What I can't live with is the nonsense that happened yesterday because it's always this team. You're going to tell me they would have overturned that call if that was Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Not a chance. Now, to be fair, that would have been a, the Lions would have stolen one yesterday had they pulled that out. And they, in my mind, they did. But they would have stolen one. Falcons are really good. I've been on the Falcons. Anybody who's listened to this show for over a year has known. I've been on the Falcons since about the middle of last year. That offense is dynamic. Freeman is a fantastic back. Top five in the league. Right up there with Bell, Johnson. Coleman's a great second option. They've got great receivers. The quarterback's playing great. Offensive line, good enough. And their defense, while it isn't great, is opportunistic. It gives some pass rush here and there. It's got speed. Very similar to the Lions defense, actually. Fast linebackers. The Lions kind of have modeled their new defense on the Falcons model from last year. So, listen, there's no great shame in losing to the Falcons 30-26. to It was a hard-fought game. Tons of different times in that game I thought the Lions were going to get their doors blown off. They battled back. Matt Prater continues to be the best kicker in the league. A 55- and a 57-yard field goal yesterday. He's now 14 for his last 14 on kicks of 50 yards or more. Glover Quinn with a huge pick six at the end of the first half to get the Lions back in the game. Huge stop on Julio Jones in the open field on third down to give the offense the ball back. So, in the grand scheme of things, not the end of the world. Lines are two and one. You've heard me say since the beginning of the season, I'll be thrilled with three and three. Now, when we started two and zero, I would have preferred four and two, and I still think they can get to four and two because they play the Panthers in two weeks. Panthers stink. They play the Saints. Saints are imminently beatable. They got a tough game this week against Minnesota at Minnesota. But again, it's always this team. Name me one other team in the league that has had to go through this nonsense for the last seven years. 
And I'm sure they'll change the rule next year and get rid of this 10-second runoff. Oh, by the way, I can also add in the, 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 the rule where the dude on, uh, I think it was Justin Forsett. Yeah, when he was down, on that, uh, when he was on the, the, the Titans, whatever this stupid Houston team is, the Texans. When he was clearly down, but he just got up and kept running, and then Schwartz, you know, went crazy, and then they got rid of that rule the next year. Although the Lions lost the game because of it. It's always after the fact. We are the test case for the NFL. Whatever stupid rule that screws the Lions, then we'll get rid of it the next year. Thank you very much, NFL. Appreciate it. Doing a wonderful job. I mean, there was a touchdown earlier in that game that wasn't called a touchdown initially to Julio uh, to uh, Muhammad Sanu, where he doesn't even get a body part remotely close to getting in the end zone. Then they look at it again because the Falcons call for a challenge, and maybe the tip of the football barely grazed the you know the goal line, and then they overturn and call. It. If that's a touchdown, then what Golden Tate did is a touchdown. I'm sorry, and if that's a touchdown, they need to re- they need to change that rule too because it's a joke. Speaking of, we'll go a little little uh, whip around here, around the league. My Giant fan friends out there, I feel for you. Losing on a 61-yard field goal, uh, I can certainly empathize since the Lions have made a career out of losing games to long kicks like that. Justin Tucker comes to mind a few years ago on a Monday night game when he made a 61-yard field goal to basically dash the Lions' hopes of making the playoffs. Um, but for you history buffs out there, the, the longest field goal in the history of the NFL for a long time was a 62-yarder, which was Tom Dempsey, the half-footed kicker for the Saints in 1970, made a 62-yard field goal to beat the Lions. That, for the longest time, was the longest kick. I believe Prater now has it when he was with Denver, 64 yards in the thin air and mile high. So, I feel for you. Here's what I don't feel for, is this moron OBJ. Captain of the impossible to root for All-Stars. Yes, wonderful player, talented player, plays hard, plays with passion, get all that. Your team is down 14-0 all game. You score a touchdown and get it to 14-7. And then, because of the new supposed celebration rules, you're so concerned with what your celebration is, you mimic a dog peeing on a fire hydrant, which you know is going to draw a flag. Don't pre- and then he, he tries to pr- play dumb afterwards and pretend like he doesn't know why he got flagged, even though the week before, more innocently, by the way, Evan Engram got the flag for grabbing his crotch because he was doing a Michael Jackson dance. So you know that just happened. And then you do that. Your team hasn't scored a touchdown. They scored one touchdown in the first two and a half games. You finally get in the end zone. You've been hurt the first two and a half games. And then that's what you do? It's ridiculous. Someone on the Giants, and it's got to probably be Eli because it's not the coach. The coach is a joke, by the way. Your coach is a joke. McAdoo's a joke. I mean, throw away Eli under the bus after the Lions game last week. Don't throw him under the bus. Say it's on me, but then play, blame the quarterback for the delay of game on the, the, the third and goal play. I mean, is it on you or it's not on you? you? You don't equivocate. You're not the president of the United States who equivocated against white supremacists and neo-Nazis. Those people, he had equivocated, and there were some very fine people in that group. 
But these players are sons of bitches. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Just remind, that was a point that I wanted to make earlier that I forgot to make. Anyway, uh, so it's probably got to be Eli. I know that's not really Eli's thing, but he's a senior member of that team. He's got the two Super Bowl rings, been a Super Bowl MVP. Probably needs to pull OBJ aside and say, and listen, he doesn't have to make a grand show of it and display on the field. Keep it in-house, but he's got to go to him and say, dude, knock it off with this nonsense, okay? Stop it. Just stop it. And, of course, look, OBJ had a great touchdown catch later in the game to tie the game up. They hit the big play to Sterling Shepard to go up 21-14. Eagles come back and tie it. Giants go up by a field goal. I mean, listen, talked about, and the Eagles are not bad. And Carson Wentz, the quarterback, is a good player. And this Corey Clement looks like he's a pretty good running back kid from uh, Wisconsin. But Giants defense let him down yesterday. It's the bottom line. I mean, I understand it's a 61-yard field goal. But when they had the lead, they didn't shut up. They didn't, they didn't keep the Eagles out. They gave up more points. And it's supposed to be the strength of the team. However, I'm still not giving up on the Giants at 0-3. I think the Cowboys are going to be in for a rough year. Uh... I don't trust the Redskins. I know they looked great last night against the Raiders. That's great. You know, Kirk Cousins is great when everything's going well and they're blowing teams out and he's putting up huge fantasy stats. That, that, that's wonderful. But in tight games, close and late, he's been a disaster. So I understand the Redskins looked great last night. I think against a Raiders team that was feeling its oats a little bit. And, you know, kudos to David uh, Derek Carr, by the way. He said, we got punched in the mouth. It's on me. Terrible performance. Tip your hat to the Redskins. And apparently some Raiders receivers are talking smack to that other numbskull Josh Norm in the corner for the Redskins before the game. And they laid a big egg. But my point is, Redskins are imminently beatable. Eagles are a good team. They're not great. And I think the Cowboys could be in for a rough year this year. And when I say a rough year, I mean, they're not going any 13-3 and three like they did last year. and going to have a, a nice, easy cakewalk. So, take heart, Giants fans. I don't think the season is over at 0-3. I know it feels like it is. I don't blame you. But remember, the Lions were 2-4 and four last year and made the playoffs. And that's the Lions. Giants have a much better pedigree. Some of the late games, Green Bay-Cincinnati, of course. I mean, look, if that's just not classic, Aaron Rodgers, Packers in Lambeau. I mean, and look, a little bit classic Cincinnati. I mean, they completely dominated the, the, the Packers. They, First of all, let me just say this right now. And I know they got some guys hurt. I know Balaga's hurt. I know Bakhtari's hurt. But that, that Green Bay Packers offensive line is trash. It's trash. I'm sure by the time they play the Lions, they'll have it all figured out. That'll be the narrative. I'll hear Chris Collinsworth on the Sunday night game. Jeez, you know, we watched these guys early in the year, and they were really struggling. But, I mean, now they really got some things figured out as they clutch and grab and hold on every play. I mean, even yesterday, Geno Atkins is getting held on every play with his arms up in the air after plays. Like, guys, can you give me one call? Of course, no. But they got after Rodgers, five sacks in the first half, had a six sack in the second half that would have brought up a third and 19, negated by a garbage 12 men on the field penalty. 
the guy for this Bengals was sprinting to get off the field and jumped in the air to the sideline was off the field but apparently the rule is you can't you have to be on the ground you can't be in the air or else you're still considered on the field another stupid rule but gee it always isn't it interesting how it always always works out and helps the Packers isn't that interesting how that always works out especially when they're in Lambeau and then on the decide the, the, the play that decided the game in overtime uh well, and also, first of all, by the way, Randy Bullock missed two kicks in that game for the Bengals. How this guy keeps getting jobs, I don't know. I've never seen this guy make a good a pressure kick in his career. Never. Stunk for the Texans. Cost the, helped cost the Bengals that game yesterday. I think he was on the Jets for a while. Wasn't very good for them. I have no idea why this guy's still in the league. But on the deciding play, third and ten, there's Rodgers with his, I mean, shoulders moving, arms moving, head bob, Blatant to draw Bengals offsides. That's a penalty on Rodgers. Of course, not called. Green Bay gets a free play. Now, look, give the guy credit. I mean, he made a great throw. He's talented, no question. But it's interesting how certain teams and certain players in this league continue to always get the benefit of the doubt, and certain teams and certain players never get the benefit of the doubt. Which leads us. To New England, Houston. By the way, and I had to root for Green Bay in that game yesterday because I took them in my knockout pool, and a bunch of people took the Dolphins, they went down. A bunch of people took the Steelers, they went down. And a, a bunch of people had the Patriots, they should have gone down. Second and 18, down five. Brady throws one up, just heaves one up, gets intercepted, guy comes down, hits the ground, ball pops out. Yeah, he's not the luckiest quarterback in the history of the league. Earlier, got sacked, fumbled, but of course, one of the pay, I think it was Solder, the left tackle, fell on the ball. Either one of those two plays go the other way. Game's over. That's it. Done. Now, of course, you give him credit for making a great throw to Brandon Cooks for the game-winning touchdown. Of course. I'm not saying he's not a supremely talented player, but he's also a ridiculously lucky player. And New England's defense looked like trash again yesterday. Speaking of Pittsburgh, Chicago, I don't know if you guys caught this little doozy. Uh, Steelers lining up for a field goal at the end of the half. Blocked. Goes right into the arms of a DB for the Bears. Runs it back for what seemingly is going to be a touchdown. Except, of course, like a dum-dum. He's got a style and profile at about the 2-3 yard line. Basically did the Leon Lett in the Super Bowl. And credit to the Steelers, guy tracked him all the way down from behind, knocked the ball out of his hands before he crossed the goal line. But then when in the, the ball went into the end zone, there's a mad scrum to try and jump on the ball. Guy in the Steelers knocked the ball out of bounds. Illegal batting. Teams thought it was a touchback. Everybody went to the locker room. But then, no, 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 no. They call everybody back on the field. That's a penalty. Chicago gets the ball first and goal at the one. It's interesting because after this happened to the Lions on that Monday night, I had to hear from the league how, oh, no, sorry, it was too late. We couldn't bring everybody back on the field. Sorry. But, boy, they were all over it yesterday, weren't they? All over it, on top of it. Now, in typical Bears fashion, they, they line up to run a play to try to score a touchdown. They commit a false start, the left tackle, goes uh, offsides. So now they're backed up. Now they have to settle for a field goal. But still got three points out of it. 
Should have had seven probably because the, the idiot shouldn't have stopped at the at the one yard line to style and profile. And then lastly, the other game I kept an eye on in the late games was Seattle Tennessee. Uh, I'll tell you, Tennessee looks like a good team. I mean, I, I'm I'm as shocked as anybody. I mean, I, I, you know, Mike Malarkey is their coach. He was a fail coach for the Bills. I mean, you know, the name alone, you know, he's not exactly Mr. Charisma. Um, but you know what they've got? A good offensive line, a good young quarterback. It's not great. People are a little, let's pump the brakes on Mariota just, just a tad. But they've got two punishing running backs in DeMarco Henry DeMarco, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. Boy, woo! Oh, man. Just like my dad saying Bobby Bonds when he means Barry Bonds. Boy, now, now, now I'm conflating names. DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. I mean, Derrick Henry's a beast. And DeMarco Murray, we all know, is a very talented running back. Uh, they've got... Two really good wide uh, tight ends and Delaney Walker and this uh, rookie, Johnny Smith, look great. And they they basically bullied Seattle all over the place yesterday. Now, it was in Tennessee, but, you know, like Seattle likes to play bully ball, especially with their defense, and Tennessee bullied the hell out of them yesterday. There was a play in that game where I think it was a run to Henry. He got stood up at about after eight yards, kept the legs churning, you know, Seattle's gang tackling him, and here comes Taylor Lewan, the left tackle, who comes in and blasts Jeremy Lane off the tackle. The rest of the offensive line comes, and they push him for an extra, like, three yards. That was pretty much indicative of how that whole game went. Russell Wilson played his tail off, no question, but uh, I watched a bunch of that game. I thought it was uh, Tennessee certainly looks like they could be uh, a factor there in the AFC South. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be back with some college right after this. Don't you know, talking about the revolution sounds Don't you know, talking about the revolution sounds While they're standing in the welfare lines Crying at the and we are back here on another edition of Jamal About Sports Monday Football Show. That, of course, was Tracy Chapman from her first album, which, geez, is 30 years old, I believe. And uh, we started a show off. I forgot to mention that was uh, Blues Dance Raid by show favorite Steel Pulse. Uh, some interesting college games over the weekend. We had um, Georgia play Mississippi State. Georgia looks real good. Uh, freshman quarterback looks good. They've got two great running backs at Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. Uh, Nick Chubb's a great story. Had that gruesome injury a couple of years ago uh, when he was Gurley's backup. Um, and then when Gurley got hurt, he came to the fore and played great. And then he got hurt. Um, it looks like he's completely recovered from that. He looks fantastic. I take him on the lines tomorrow. Um, 
And Mississippi State had just come off a big win over LSU and UGA. Granted, it was between you know down between the hedges at, uh, in Athens, um, but they just did a number on Mississippi State. So um, Georgia looks to be a formidable uh, team there in the SEC East. And it'll be interesting because, you know, for years, right, they won their 9, 10, 11 games every year under Mark Richt. Never could get over the hump. Never could beat Alabama. Uh, Now they've got – oh, boy. I just had – I can picture his – Will Muschamp? No, he's (laughs) – is it Will Muschamp? Hold on. We're going to have to look it up. Ay-yay-yay. What is wrong with me lately? UGA – Head coach. Uh, Kirby Smart. Geez, a guy from Alabama. Will Muschamp is at South Carolina. Yeesh. Uh, still SEC at least and kind of similar school colors, but boy. Uh, Kirby Smart. It'll be interesting because he was brought in right from the Alabama program to get them over the hump. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they, they look poised. Look, it's a long season. Uh, I always root for Georgia. Always have. When I first really started getting into college football, I was probably 10, 11 years old. And Georgia is when Herschel was on Georgia, Herschel Walker. And so they used to be on a lot on ABC on Saturday afternoons. And uh, that's back when um, uh, Vince Dooley was the coach. Buck Ballou was the quarterback. Terry Hogue played safety for them. And uh, uh, Frank Broyles used to do the games with Keith Jackson. And um, that's when I first got into to college football. And so Georgia seemed like they were on a lot. I remember watching uh, Georgia versus, I believe it was Penn State, in the Sugar Bowl that year. Um, and Herschel won the Heisman, I believe, as a freshman. Um, and I almost went to Georgia. I applied there, was all set to go, and at the last minute changed my mind, decided to go to Maryland. So I've always liked Georgia. Plus, my man, Matt Stafford, went to Georgia. So I've always had a soft spot in my heart for them. Um, I always root for them. So be interesting to see how they do the rest of the year. Plus, they always put a ton of guys in the pros every single year. So if Georgia's on, I'm watching them, you know, to do my scouting. Um, you know, I watch them in a bowl. And anytime they're in a bowl game, I'll watch them. They generally have, as I said, a lot of talent on their teams. Always entertaining team to watch. Um, second game that of note on Saturday was uh, Penn State versus Iowa. Um, Iowa, tough place to play. They upset Michigan there last year, and Michigan was ranked in the top ten. Penn State uh, plays has played nobody so far to start the year. Uh, they beat up on a bad pit team, and then Georgia State. Uh, so you know, but everybody's in love with them, and but that was going to be a tough game, and it came right down to the wire. And look, I can't stand Penn State. I've, oh, as a Maryland fan, you can't like Penn State. Then you throw in all the stuff with Sandusky, and then the way their fan base and their boosters acted, you know, aggrieved as if they were the aggrieved parties. How dare? I mean, listen, they're lucky to even have a program after what went on there. Lucky to have a program. Enough with the moaning and groaning about the penalties, okay? And now they've got a head coach who is as unlikable a figure as it gets in sports, in James Franklin. This is the same James Franklin with his little comments after the pit game where, oh, they're just like Akron. 
Then he iced the kicker against Georgia State, and then when they were up 56 nothing two weeks ago, tried to pretend that, oh, we didn't have the right personnel on the field or some nonsense. He's just classless. This is the same James Franklin that when he was the offensive coordinator at the University of Maryland when Ralph Friedgen was the head coach, openly lobbied for Ralph's job. And then the then-athletic director, Debbie Yao, idiotically put a clause in his contract that said the Maryland had to give him a raise to a million bucks a year if he wasn't the head coach by a certain date. This is all while Ralph still has the job and had made no... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Had given no indication that he was, was going to retire anytime soon. This is his offensive coordinator. He was a shameless self-promoter in Maryland. Then he goes to Vanderbilt, turns them around. Then they have the scandal there where the two kids raped that poor girl, both of whom I think found guilty, by the way. All happened on his watch. And there he is at, at Penn State now, mouthing off, arrogant, and classless. He does not deserve to coach a great kid and talent like Saquon Barkley, the running back for Penn State, who is transcendent. That kid is so talented, it's ridiculous. Plus, he's a great kid. Certainly no root against him. And he's going to be a stud in the pros. He's got legs like tree trunks. He's fast. He can cut. He runs hard. I mean, he had a play the other night where he hurled over a guy, got hit while he was in the air, and still landed on his feet. It's unbelievable. No issues with him. I just wish he had a better coach to play for. As far as a person. Look, James Franklin's a good coach. From a pure coaching standpoint, he's a good coach. Seems like a terrible or at least a very unlikable person. Shouldn't say he's a terrible person. I don't know him well enough to say that. I don't know him at all personally, but just based on his track record and stuff I've seen, by the way, not that much different than a lot of these big time guys like Sabin and Urban Meyer. Some of these Harbaugh, please. Watch a lot of the USC Cal game as well. Sam Darnold did not play a great game, but they were able to win. To my mind, he's still in the mix for the Heisman. I mean, it's way too early in the season to be giving or taking the Heisman away. By the way, not that I, I, I don't even care about the Heisman anymore, frankly. I really don't. Used to, I, I cared about it when Barry Sanders won it. That's about the last time I think I cared about the Heisman Trophy. Uh, but good win for them. Keep them undefeated. So it's been a good college football season so far. Oklahoma State went down to TCU. Oklahoma uh, looked very sloppy against Baylor. I mean, Baylor has lost to some terrible teams already. You know, that program is is a mess. And they hired the guy, I think, Matt Rule from Temple to take over. Seems like a nice enough guy. But he obviously has inherited a mess with all the nonsense that went on with uh, Art Bryles and all the sexual assaults and all all the, the thuggery that went on under his watch. By the way, that's a good school. We got him and Dave Bliss, the basketball coach, who tried to pin, uh, you know, 
What, what was uh, for, you know what? I don't want to get into it because I don't know the details enough. They did a whole I think sixty for sixty on it though. Good religious school though, Baylor, isn't it? Anyway, uh, Oklahoma very sloppy. I mean, they put Baylor away late. Baylor got a sort of a meaningless touchdown to make the score look a little closer than it was. But I mean, that that, that game was thirty one twenty eight going in the fourth quarter. So Oklahoma, I think, you know, it was in Baylor. I think they probably read their press clippings. And by the way, this Baker Mayfield, the quarterback for Oklahoma, heck of a player, plays with tenacity, but uh, pump the brakes, son. I mean, this is another one. Boy, is he chirpy. He likes to run his mouth out there on the field, getting getting, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties called on him. You know, he planted the flag or tried to since it was AstroTurf, didn't really stick after they went in and beat Ohio State. Uh, settle down, son. Great player. Plays hard. Again, I mean, I guess what? It's just way too much to ask for any decorum in sports now. I mean, it. I, I what game was I watching yesterday? I, I remember I was struck by, you know, guy, a receiver got tackled, DB helped them up. They patted each other. I was like, wow, look at that. Imagine that. Because it's so rare nowadays. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be back with a little bit of Major League Baseball to wrap up the show right after this. Here on Jamal About Sports on a Monday night show That of course Flashlight by Parliament George Clinton, the master The godfather of funk if you will And now we'll wrap the show up with a little Major League Baseball So we got one more week to go And For all the world it looks like the Red Sox are going to win the East uh, We already know Houston's won the West Cleveland's won the Central Cleveland has the best record currently in the American League. And since they finally got rid of the idiotic uh, All-Star Game meaning home field for the World Series, um, I believe the best the team with the best record in both leagues will have uh, home field in the World Series if they should get that far. So right now you've got uh, Red Sox... Um, I mean, they're winning the division. Yankees are going to be the wild card. I've been saying this for a month now, month and a half, two months. Uh, the only thing that may be decided in the American League is the second wild card, although, I mean, the Twins have a four-game lead with seven to go. I mean, that, that's you got to really sort of collapse there. The Angels had a big comeback, not a big comeback win, but to keep themselves treading above water, had a comeback win against the Astros last night. To kind of you know that would have, they would have been five back with seven to go. Now they're you know four back with seven to go. Still tall order. So it would appear you're going to have the Red Sox, the Indians, the Astros, the Yankees, and the Twins. And again, Cleveland 98 and 58, Astros 95 and 60. So 
again, only seven games left. Indians go four and three, three and four. They're 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 going to probably have the best record in the uh, <clears throat> American League, the National League. The division leaders are pretty much decided. I mean, Washington's clinched. Los Angeles is clinched. The Cubs, they're up six with seven to go, so it's not technically, but they're going to win that division. The only question now is between the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Rockies, who gets that second wild card. Diamondbacks have wrapped up the first wild card. Uh, Rockies are 84-72. and Brewers, 82-74, and so two back. Still doable. And the Cardinals are 81 and 74, so they're only two back in the lost column as well. They've got to play an extra game in here somewhere, obviously. So that'll be interesting to see. That's it. That's all there is to look for. I mean, we'll talk about when the playoffs get here, teams, how they look. I mean, the 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 you know, Wade Davis finally blew a save this year for the Cubs, hadn't blown one. Much rather get it out of the way now than in the playoffs. Uh, you know, the Dodgers have kind of righted the ship a little bit after their huge slump. They're 5-5 five and five in the last 10. Talked about that last week, though. Not that big a deal, I don't think. They just got to up to Dave Roberts, who he decides he's going go to go, go with, who he's going to play and who they're going to put on that postseason roster. But other than that, that's pretty much it. Looking forward to my Cleveland Indians. You know, I've been on them all year. You know I love them because of my grandfather. So that's my team moving forward. It's not an anti-Yankee thing, I promise. I'll be rooting hard for the Cleveland Indians. All right, that'll do it for tonight's show. We'll be back. Sorry, no football Friday this past week. Uh, Couldn't get to it, so no picks. But hopefully we'll get a football Friday show in there this week, get you some picks, and we'll be back next Monday with another show. Until then... Thanks for listening. Check me out on iTunes, Twitter, Jamal, at Jamal about Sport and OS, and on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Peace out.